If there's one place a Christian should visit, if you have the means, it's the Holy Land of Israel and Jordan. And Pastor Ralph Yankee, Arno, and me, Bill Bunkley, want to take you along with us to both countries on our summer 2023 pilgrimage. Come see the epicenter of the world in God's holy city, Jerusalem. Witness historical locations and places of future prophetic events. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, Go to BillBunkley.com, that's BillBunkley.com, or call me at 813-264-2977, that's 813-264-2977. Born to die, that he might give eternal life, that I might live. And turn my darkness. Do you really, really believe that little old you can get big old God to do something? It's called P-R-A-Y-E-R, prayer. If you really believe that you could move the Almighty to do something that he wouldn't have done, if you'd have prayed, would you pray? And do you really believe in prayer? Do you really believe it? That God would subject himself to our little old request. This is why the Lord says that he is looking for faith. Somebody that believes him. So is it uh, a miracle that God answers our prayer? It might be a greater miracle if he doesn't. If you really believe one day with the college kids, I, I held up a, a book, and then I said, now what happens to this book if I let it go? I said, well, it's going to fall, so I let it go. Bam! I said, it's called the law of gravity. Now, it would have been a miracle if it hadn't have fell. So when God says, ask and you shall receive, knock and it shall be opened, seek and ye shall find. Now, that means knock and keep knocking. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking until you get what you want. As though God is moved by cause of our persistence in prayer. Not because of the multitude of words, but because you're persistent. And he even gives illustrations in the Bible. Now, some people ask for something big. Some people ask for something small. I mean, if God's going to do it, does the size of it make a difference? I mean, really, God's going to make a miracle. Can God give you a million dollars just as easy as he can give you ten? I mean, God's going to do it. Can God heal your body? If he can heal it and do anything at all, can he heal you even from the worst thing as easy as he can from the slightest thing? I mean, if God intervenes and does it. You know, those are some questions I guess I've had for, oh, I see, I've been saved 55 years. Those are questions I've had for 55 years. <laughs> it's just how much can God do? 
And what will he do? So I'm impressed as I read the Bible and I see what God did because certain people prayed. Now, we went through some of these stories when we talked about the great women of the Bible. And believe it or not, there's some great women in the Bible. But now we're talking about in a series of Sunday school lessons about learning how to give to the Lord. Learning how to give to the Lord. Take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, the last chapter in 2 Samuel. And there's a story here. Now, David had made some bad decisions because he, he numbered the people and God just wanted them to trust him. But anyway, he wanted to see how strong he was. and So anyway, he did it. So then God had to uh, allow him to make a choice. So he gave him a chance. So you can choose your choice of punishment. Now, generally, God doesn't give us the, the choice of how we're going to be punished. I was like that. If my mama had said, all right, Yankee, you disobeyed. Now, here's three choices of your punishment. And I didn't like any one of them. But if she just gave me a choice, I says, beat me with a wet noodle. <laughs> She'd always send me out to get a little hickory stick. And they look so skinny. But do you know what a hickory stick does on the back of your legs? Drive you nuts. You want to run away and holler? It's like being bit by a bunch of rattlesnakes. And mama could switch those things so fast in the back of your little calves, you know, just and make you holler. Terrible. So I never, mama never did give us a choice on how we wanted to be punished. (laughs) She just went ahead and killed us. But here in 2 Samuel, and look in verse 10. David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servants, for I have done very foolishly. Now, there's nothing wrong with confessing your sin, is there? He confessed his wrong, meant I was foolish. Now, you can't get any better than that. So that means all the consequences are taken away, right? That means he doesn't have to suffer any consequences because he confessed it. Well, in verse 11 says, For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. Ooh. So, even though he confessed his sin and confessed wrong, doesn't undo the wrong that's going to happen. So he says that uh, you're going to have to choose between one of these things, and every one of them was bad. But anyway, he, he made a decision. And uh, so, so many thousands of people that died because of his bad decision. So now David uh, said in verse 17, David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. So now in verse 21, David's going to make this sacrifice. So he's got to build him an altar. altar and, but um, he, he has to buy something. 
So in verse 21, in Arana said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Arona said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here is oxen for burnt sacrifice. Now you got some oxen. Now oxen are there. That's a lot of expense. I mean, they were very valuable. I mean, the rich people would offer an, an oxen, but the poor folks, you know, a couple little turtle doves or something like that. But this was a, a big sacrifice. He said, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Here be oxen for burnt offerings or sacrifice and threshing instruments and of her instruments of the oxen and for wood. And these things did Aaronah, he said, as a king, give unto the king. And Aaronah said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aaronah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Now this part of the verse, it would be good to underline it because you see the heart of David in this. He says, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now he could have had it all for nothing, but he didn't do that. He says, I will not offer a burnt sacrifice unto the Lord of that which cost me nothing. You see, a lot of people trust Christ as Savior, they have eternal life. And they want God's blessings upon them, but they don't want to offer God anything. They don't want to give God something that cost them something. What would it cost you to serve the Lord? I remember way back whenever I decided, uh, I'm going to go to Bible college. Uh, I can't say it really cost me a lot because I didn't have a lot. I didn't give up a $10,000 scholarship to go to Georgia Tech or, you know, anywhere. I didn't give up anything. Why? Because nobody ever offered me anything. I couldn't even play Chinese checkers good, let alone play football. I always thought a quarterback was a refund. So there's a lot of things that I did not know, I didn't understand. But I knew that I wanted something more than what I had. But he says sacrificing. And he tells us in the book of um, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. So I do have something that I can give to the Lord. And it's going to cost me because it means whatever I want to do with my life, I can't do that. Wherever I want to go, well, that's out. Whatever I want to be, that's off the table. Because now I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you want me to be. So now I've got to, I've sacrificed everything that I have in life and want in life for the Lord's will. So the Lord's will is going to cost you something. Maybe that's why a lot of God's children, they accept the free gift of eternal life. But they never want to make any sacrifices in their life for the one who gave them the free gift of eternal life. And the Bible says, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for someone who has done so much for you to want to do something for him. So do you want to serve the Lord but it not cost you anything. Or do you want to make a sacrifice? Lord, I want to give up this for you. How much does the Lord mean to you? 
And I found out that over the years that anything that I gave up for the Lord, I got something back for eternity in place of it. So the only thing you can give up in this life is something that's in this life for something that's in the next life. Because there, it, everything lasts forever. And so I gave up something temporary here for something eternal there. Now, did I make a bad deal? Make a bad deal. And remember this, you can never outgive the Lord. So whatever the Lord gives to you, I can give it back to the Lord. So God has allowed us to have things. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have in this life that you didn't receive? What did you do all by yourself? You don't have anything you ever did by yourself. Did God give you your body? Did God give you a brain? Did God give you air? Did God give you food? Did God? God, 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 God. So even we owe to God our very life, our breath, everything that we have, and to sacrifice it to the Lord. So it says here in verse 25, And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. So it was a terrible lesson for him to learn, but isn't it wonderful? He learned it. Some people never learn lessons. But later on, yes, David messed up again. He, he just like a lot of Christians. One day you're up, and then one day you're down. But when you do mess up, one thing David did, he always admitted it to the Lord, confessed it to the Lord, and he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because when you don't serve God and do things right, you don't have the peace or the joy. Because you know God is not going to bless you like you want. And you know he could chasten you, but you don't know when and how. And you don't know how severe it's going to be. And just the threat of that produces fear, and fear produces torment. But perfect love casts out fear. But the reason sometimes we don't serve the Lord is because we don't believe in his perfect love. We believe that if he really loved me, he wouldn't keep me from having this, or keep me from having this, or doing this and being this. So since God holds those things back for me, I'll do it myself. And so we take our lives into our own hands. So there's a price to pay. Now, in 1 Samuel in chapter 1, now we know, and we've looked at this before, but there is a, a woman who had a problem. She had a problem. One is that um, she was married to a man uh, that had another wife. <laughs> now, you know and I know that the Bible says a man should only have one wife because he says no man can serve two masters. So that's why he's only supposed to have one wife. So this, this man had two wives, and he had trouble because now these two wives were jealous of each other. It always boils down to that. You know, the jealousy comes into picture. So he says here in verse 2, And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. One had a child, and the other one didn't. And so this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, says that um, the priests of the Lord were there. When the time was that Elkanah offered, he said to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, portions. So 
Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, but he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, she couldn't have children. The Bible says that the Lord did that. Now, you would think, well, why would the Lord do that? Well, we don't understand all the ways in which God works. But you're supposed to believe that God does intervene in your life and sometimes withholds something from you. And maybe what he withholds from you is something that's, um, the timing is not right. Not that God doesn't want you to have it, but the timing is not right. I have seen God answer some of my prayers that I prayed 20 and 30 years ago. And I thought, why did I have to wait so long? You'd be surprised how long people had to wait in the Bible. How long did Joseph have to wait before God raised him up to be next in line with the Pharaoh? But look where he was. He was rejected by his brothers, put into a, a pit, and then he was put into prison and then into the palace. But you see, the, all that time they had to wait. And you think of all those years. Look how long Israel was down there in Egypt for 400 years or so. Just look how long they had to wait. Not everybody. David was anointed to be the king when he was a child, when he was a kid. A teenager out there keeping the sheep. But look how many years he had to wait until Saul finally died. And then what did David say? Even though he had been anointed to be the king, Samuel wound up anointing him. He's going to be the next king. But big time Saul got through with him and chasing him all over Israel. He says, there's only one step between me and death. And he says, he's after me. He's going to kill me. I'm not going to live. He would get down and he'd, he'd weep. But didn't God already say you're going to be the king? Well, if God said you're going to be king, you're going to be the king. But there was times when he didn't even know if he'd live. The doubts that came in his mind are things that he did. And then lo and behold, he got to be the king. But not when he thought he was. Here's Moses. Go down there and tell him to let my people go. Well, he did. But God didn't tell Moses. Oh, by the way. Uh, after you get those children of Israel across the river, it's uh, that you're going to be in the wilderness for um, oh, 40 years. Now, if he'd have told me, look, I'm going to bring you from here to here. And it's only 11 days journey. But it's going to take you 40 years to get there. And by the way, by the time you get ready to go in, you're not going. Now, how would you like to be Moses? And yet. God used Moses, but was Moses perfect? No. Moses killed an Egyptian one time, and it was thrown up in his face. He left because that's why he was afraid, and spent 40 years on the backside of a desert. Just because everything doesn't happen when you expect it to happen doesn't mean that God isn't working behind the scenes. God has a plan, and God doesn't move according to our schedule. And that's why you may ask the Lord for something and it doesn't happen for five, ten years down the road. But don't worry about it. The one big prayer we ask for the Lord is, Lord, get me out of this problem. Solve this problem. Heal my body. Whatever it is. Did you know that with the moment you die, he answered all of your prayers? Didn't he get you out of your problems? Didn't he heal your body? See, it just wasn't the way you expected but everyone's going to die. And you'll be surprised how many of your prayers are answered the very moment you die. He got you out of everything. He healed everything. Solved everything. 
Now look where you are. You're in heaven in a brand new body and everything is wonderful. Walking on streets of gold. You have no more taxes to worry about. You don't have to worry about food anymore. You don't have to have any more health problems anymore. So did God, does God answer? Yeah, he does, but maybe not the way we expect. So anyway, she had a problem. And it says there in uh, verse uh, 5, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, but she couldn't have any children. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So she got to put up with that other wife-in-law. <laughs> she has a, she got a competitive, somebody that she's got kids and I don't have any. Have you ever wondered why God blesses some people and not you? I used to think, Lord, I don't want to cause no fuss, but what about us, you know? You ever heard about some people, they, you know, they're watching this year sweepstake on TV, $5,000 a week for life. You say, hey, I'm right here, I'm right here. And some people, they can seem like, I don't care what they do, everything they touch turns to gold. Everything they touch works, and everything you touch dies. <laughs> now, I can't. I'm not very good at, you know, raising things. But I don't care what Betty plants. It grows. She, I don't care what it is. She, she plants it, it grows. When I plant it, nothing grows. It just dies. I planted a garden one day. And finally some things started coming up. And I was, taught, I was one proud papa. Watching all those little things that I planted grow up. And when the corn got just about ready... Some deer came in there and ate the tips of every one of them. And then rabbits came in. And they helped himself to all the lettuce. I was beside them. I don't know if I ever got anything to eat out of my garden. I even devised a way to, to water my garden. And when I watered my garden, Betty thought that was the stupidest thing in the world. So I, I put these PVC pipes Along the row of trees. And I put little holes in them. I turn on the water and the water would come out that thing and water make a. But because I had them so close to the trees, the trees suck up all the water. And that's why you usually don't get much growth under a tree because it saps up all the, the water themselves. You usually get out there in the open so you can. But I didn't think of that. You know what Betty did? She got her some old tomato plants and a few other things, and she planted right there next to the house. And I says, honey, I don't want a garden next to the house. She says, you plant your garden and let me plant my garden. I thought, I'll show her. I'll show her. Well, whenever I walk in the sidewalk getting ready to get on the porch, I had to almost move because this here thing was about 10 feet high, loaded with tomatoes all over it. Because the water would come right off there, and it was just perfect for raising. And, man, it was just all over the place. And she never said a word, but she knew that I knew that she knew. <laughs> She'd have big old tomatoes on that thing. And I'd go down there, and my little plants, no bigger than this, never got much bigger than that. Never would produce anything. I was so mad. Some people just got a green thumb. And I don't care what it is, they just grows. She can plant any flowers around the, the house there. Where we are now, everything, it just grows, it just grows, it grows. But if I was to touch them, they'd die. There's just something about it. I don't know what it is. But anyway, she, uh, she had a request. She made it to the Lord. And see in verse 7, 
And that he did this year by year. Every year they'd have to go to Jerusalem and make their sacrifices. So in verse 8, Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Look, you got me. That's what I used to tell Betty. Hey, you got me. Isn't that enough? Well, evidently not. (laughs) They still want something else. I was telling somebody the other day in the class how that when on our 42nd anniversary, I really surprised Betty. I got her 42 roses. 42 roses. Now, that's a lot of roses. That's a lot of money. And uh, I hadn't got her any flowers like that for probably 20 years. But one day she had opened her Bible and she showed me that flower that I had gave her 20 years before. And I said, well, it's still good. I said, if you ever get rid of it, I'll get you some more. That thing was gone. And then I got her 42 roses. I said, no, you're saving those, aren't you? (laughs) So I guess it's about time I get her another rose or something, you know. But he says, am I not better than ten sons? Evidently not. In verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul, prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Sound like uh, somebody who was very down and discouraged and depressed. And a lot of people get like that. But the Lord was going to bless this lady. And she says, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. She wanted something that she could give to the Lord. And she would give her son. That's a pretty good sacrifice. Means that her son would have to go and live in Jerusalem. And her son would have to be there at the temple. And Eli would have to raise her son. And she said, I'll vow a vow. And so that's what she did there in verse 11. She vowed this vow. And then said in the last part of that verse 11, a man child. She didn't want just a child. I want a man child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head because she's making a vow to the Lord. It's called a Nazarite vow. She's making this vow. But look there in Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. Just so you have an idea what that means. In Numbers in chapter 6. And you'll notice what he says here. uh, That when they had a Nazarite vow, it was a pretty strong thing. uh, Pretty extreme You see there in verse 1 of chapter 6, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarene, to separate themselves unto the Lord. This is a person whose I am here only for the Lord. They sacrifice unto the Lord. And they were not supposed to touch anything that would die. They was like as... As holy as the priests in the temple. There's things that they could and could not do. That other people could do it, uh, but not, not a Nazarite vow. And she says, I'm going to raise my child to do this. So she laid it down. And it says here in verse 3, He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, shall drink no vinegar of wine or vin- vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried now, you're talking about, that's an extreme. I mean, not even any grapes. Running no risk. No strong drinks. 
And it says, And all the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head, until the days be fulfilled in the which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of his head grow. Now, everybody says, oh, I want to let my hair grow. Yeah, but you're going to take this vow too? They don't do that. But when you saw a person like that, you would know automatically there is a person who has a Nazarite vow. He's separated totally unto the Lord. Would take my place. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.